Welcome to this show of Manufacturing Talk Radio. I'm Tim Grady. I'm here with my co-host, Lou Weiss, who is president of All Metals and Forge Group. They manufacture open-die forgings and seamless rolled rings. So if you're in the need of something out of steel or aluminum or titanium or alloy steel, carbon steel, they can do it. And we have as our guest today, David Kahn. David, you are with Blue Ridge Global in product marketing, but you've been involved in a lot of major companies. You've held senior positions. And you're now kind of in the software world, uh, helping out the supply chain, which is going to desperately need help. We appreciate you joining us on the show. Well, thank you for the opportunity. So David, what are you working on now? And I'm fascinated by the supply chain. You know, this whole COVID-19 crisis, uh, the supply chain has kind of been thrown up in the air and now has to come down and land without going into pieces. What are you working on now with clients? So really what we're finding with clients is there is a need for greater what, you know, what the industry and everyone's been calling greater resiliency in the industry. So how do I, you know, there's always going to be the pandemic and this probably won't be the last, unfortunately, but basically it has caused supply chain disruptions, just like hurricanes, floods, you know, supply chain shortages on components. And so how do I become a more resilient to those disruptions? You know, what is the best techniques, methods, processes, technologies that we could be using to streamline and more accurately forecast our inventories on supply and manage them? And then how do I shape or drive my demand more effectively so that I can drive sales and revenue margins and link them the very together. So we're doing a lot of work around integrating and providing better visibility at, around the supply chain and driving better improved forecasting and demand accuracy, if that makes sense. Sure. David, are you uh, putting a lot of emphasis on vet, 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 you know, vet tier one, vet tier two, vet tier three suppliers? So we, most of our clients are actually, um, the sweet spot for us is merely the wholesale distributors. So, uh, you know, the wine and spirits distributors that are getting, you know, inbound and outbound uh, wine and spirits, which has actually been booming during a pandemic as we all stay at home, you know. Uh, also, they do, we do a lot of work in food services. And so those industry models have changed too. So the food service distributors, they were traditionally were selling mainly to, you know, restaurants, for example. Oh, and yeah. Now they're shifting their models to supporting groceries stores more effectively. And so as people aren't going out. So uh, we also see we also do a lot of work in electrical and plumbing distribute distribution and HVAC. So we see that market, you know, two things are happening there. You know, there's a disruption where they used to focus a lot of their energies on commercial HVAC systems. And now that's shifted to residential because we're all working from home. Right. And, you know, so there's, you know, supporting that shift in a model. Uh, and also the, the types of refrigerants they're using as we're all going green and sustainable. You know, that refrigerant that goes into those HV systems is now 
switching out. So finding sources of supply to meet the demand and, and so forth. So that's kind of, uh, but our sweet spot is, uh, is right now is the wholesale distributors. And we're now starting to get a lot of focus on the manufacturing side relative to not so much the manufacturing processes, but really the distribution aspects of a manufacturer. So as they uh, sell to a wholesale distributor, they may sell through their online store, they may sell direct, they may sell through Amazon, they may, they may sell multiple ways uh, an omni-channel experience on how they sell. And in a lot of industries, that middleman is going away. So, so there's all these different channels. That, and at the same time, the manufacturing seeing, as you, as you know, seeing the need for much more personalized or customized kind of products and services, as well as, you know, I ordered it today and I want it tomorrow. So the need to fulfill that delivery and the aspects and the requirements it puts on where is my inventory, where should it be, what products should I put where, and how do I store, and where do I put them, uh, those efficiencies uh, are really critical in the distribution side of the house for a manufacturer. So we're addressing in the same type of industries, but the manufacturer side of the house now, you know? So let me uh, – so. I'm, sure, I'm not sure that uh, – we got to the root of what you're you're doing. So I'm presuming that we're talking about you have a, a software program that handles all of the points you just brought up. Is that correct? Correct. So we have supply chain planning tools. Okay. We have demand management tools, and we have pricing optimization tools. And Good. so, so traditionally, you know, most companies started out in supply chain planning. You know, let me, based on the demand forecast that I'll, I'll swag, I'm going to enter a supply plan and support that. And then we got a little smarter. We said we need some better demand management, demand forecasting capabilities to kind of balance that equation and, and optimize our inventories on where we should put the inventory and at what places and fulfill for the highest level of service levels and optimize our inventory. And then we, what Blue Ridge is doing is we have taken it one step further. We've started to incorporate some financial modeling around pricing optimization. And what I mean by that is uh, these companies have thousands and thousands of stock keeping units in different categories and, and different products move faster than, than others. And they have different life cycles of each of these products. So they're, they're certain products are much more price sensitive to others. And so, uh, and the price sensitivity could even vary by type of customer, type of region, uh, type of market. And so the systems automatically calculate the price sensitivity, which is basically what customers are willing to pay. And then as a manufacturer or distributor, I can optimize my price point. I could say, I'm looking to get X margins out of this type of product mix. And then I can, in essence, instead of reacting to the demand, I can actually shape that demand. I can actually start to portray what products I want to sell 
at what price points more effectively than I was before. Some items I may be well underpriced in my markets. Some of them I may be overpriced. And but based on optimizing that pricing as part of those demand signal, I can get besides the inventory, I can drive higher margins, drive higher revenue streams. And so it's kind of a, a nice addition to the traditional supply and demand chain uh, equation. Does that make sense? It, it does, and uh, which only, you know, one answer brings multiple questions. So uh -huh. I have uh, two questions that I would like to ask you. Uh, one is, uh, needless to say, what it is that you're doing within regards to the uh, COVID uh, environment and uh, 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 supply chain environment as it relates to COVID. Um, and you're, you're dealing with manufacturers who, this is all new. They, they don't know, I'm sure that two, three years ago, a manufacturer did not know the term supply chain management. Didn't know that, okay? So now you're introducing that and um, you're also addressing their issues that they weren't familiar with. Are they accepting what it is that you're suggesting that they do going forward? So uh, I'm gonna say uh, yes on both fronts. And, and uh, I'm going to uh, say the driver for that has not necessarily been the pandemic, okay? The driver for that has really been the need to address supply chain disruptions. And, and the pandemic is an example of it. Uh, another one is the wildfires in California. Another one is the floods. Another one is hurricanes. Each one of those disrupt the supply chain, okay? And they're not gonna go away. You know, they're gonna be there. So the ability for me to react much quicker and get better visibility and be more proactive has always kind of been a need, you know? And the other driver for that is that customers are asking for uh, their orders to their, their products to be fulfilled differently than they did many years ago. Many years ago, you ordered something, you called someone up on the phone, and you got it two weeks later. I remember, you know, now I want to order it online and I want to pick it up in a store. I, I, I you know, when I order it, you know, people are getting products delivered by drones. I mean, they want it yesterday because tomorrow may never come. And so, so the, the need for speed in the supply chain and the need for, to fill that inventory and position that in, in the right spots near the right customers at the right time to fulfill that is a challenge. And it's growing. That network is growing. And so how do I optimize it? And so I think the manufacturers of that look at the ways on new business models on how they can drive revenue streams through their products, you know, well, has always been that. But the need for the supply chain is growing faster and faster. 
The other challenge that they have and why we have, why disruptions bother us so much is because no one wants the inventory in the supply chain. The manufacturer doesn't want it. The distributors don't want it. The retailers don't want it. And the suppliers don't want it. No one wants it. So everyone is kind of just in time and lean as can be. And we're trying to run a supply chain with as minimal inventory as possible with the greatest velocity. And so when something hits us like the need for toilet paper, <laughs> you know, that shocked us. It, 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 you know, it put a demand load on the, on the system that it wasn't ready for, wasn't ready for. The need for masks, the need for all hand sanitizer. Who would have thought about it, you know? And so you got beer makers making, making hand sanitizers. And, you know, I mean, totally different business models and totally different new supply chains. But the ability for us to move from being reactive in the supply chain to being proactive and the amount of data that's in the supply chain now. I need things like machine learning and AI just to handle the load on where I should be putting my inventory and at what price points and how much safety stock should I have. I mean, the reason why we used to have safety stocks is because our forecast was always inaccurate. You know, and so we had bigger and bigger safety stocks, but the safety stocks are coming down, you know, and as the safety stocks come down, you've got to have more accurate planning. And so let me, let me ask you a question. Uh, so I'm, I'm gathering from what you're saying that manufacturers are buying into supply chain mentality and that they know they need to have inventory when they need it, they don't need inventory when they don't need it. Well, that's all well and good for, let's say, a medium to large size corporation. What about the small guy who represents 80% uh, of our manufacturing backbone? How do they feel about what you're suggesting they need to do in terms of supply chain, inventory, and so on and so forth? So I think even the small manufacturer has lots of ways that they sell their product. So if you, so Blue Ridge is not focusing on how do I make my product? They're focusing on how do I sell my product as a manufacturer? So let's keep something simple. Let's take a small wine manufacturer in California. You know, he's doing, he's a startup or relatively small, yeah, look at the ways that he can sell his product today. He can sell it on Amazon. He can sell it through wholesale distributors as another channel for him. He can sell it in you know, the tasting room at his vineyard. He can sell it uh, direct to consumers. He can sell it to local wine stores. He can sell it multiple ways to get it out there. And so he has to understand that there are different price points for each of those channels. There's also different uh, uh, inventory levels to meet certain service levels for each of those channels. And so he himself, even though he's a small guy, he's selling multiple ways. 
And so he has to th think that way. And so making the wine is one thing. How do I sell it and get it out there to the market is the challenge. And how do I do it most efficiently, effectively, and quickly at the greatest margins? Well, you, you bring up uh, an interesting point, uh, and that is that uh, as a, a, a wine growing Which is family, they've okay, uh, been doing business uh, for decades. They plant the trees, they grow the wine, uh, 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 the, the uh, the grapes. They grow the grapes. Thank you. They grow the grapes. They make the wine and they sell it to their normal channels. You're now suggesting, and rightfully so, but they have to find new channels and new ways to sell their product. So, are you getting uh, any sense from these uh, clients of yours who have been selling their product through methodology one, two, three, four? And now they're having to do five, six, seven, eight. Is there uh, acceptance of your methodology, or is there pushback, or do you have to prove it, or how how are you dealing so, with? It? So we're not we don't really have to prove that the new that there's new channels of distribution. We don't have to prove that. You know that the market is dictating that. Uh, what we have to do is be able to capture the demand from it and plan accordingly for it. And so that I'm selling through a marketplace or I'm selling to a direct to a store or I'm selling through a wholesale distributor, capturing that demand, whether it happens at, at a point of sale system in a retail store or it's a, a, an IOT signal or some other type of demand requirement that's coming to me, I need to capture that as fast as possible, okay? So there's a, a, an example that I like to give where there was, a, uh, there was a manufacturer, there's a large, large manufacturer of cosmetics, okay? And they come out with about roughly 1,500 to 2,000 new products every year, okay? Mm -hmm. Of those, you know, some are going to be winners and some are going to be losers, you know? And so one is first they need to identify and capture the demand as fast as possible for the winners and the losers. So they know, you know, they just don't want to keep a dead product, keep going, and they, and they need to ramp up as fast as possible the new products. So they predicted X amount of sales for each of those for each of those products and they build up production and they put products in stock and into the channel. There was one product that there's one famous actress was on Good Morning America and she started talking about this new mascara. And within an hour, the demand for that mascara went through the roof. And so by them not having that real-time demand signals, they can't, that supply chain would not have been resilient enough. And so the connectivity of the demand side with the supply side, as well as my pricing, gives me the opportunity as a, in this case, a, a cosmetic manufacturer to produce and optimize my distribution channel 
as well as optimize my pricing and revenue streams and minimize my inventory. So well, your, your software program, is that a, do you sell it? Do you lease it? Do you, how, how, how does that work for the client? So people subscribe to it. So it runs in the cloud and they pay an annual subscription, you know? So that's, that's kind of the way it works. But they, you know, they're leading the, you know, leading the industry. And, and uh, one of the things that makes them unique, I'll say, is the pricing. There's a lot of supply chain planning companies that have the supply side, that have the demand side. But the pricing adds another additive mix to, so to the to the pie, to the equation, so to speak. So it gives me the opportunity to incorporate more financial modeling instead of just supply and demand chain modeling into my fine tuning of, you know, my revenue streams. So well, David, you bring up a very interesting point about nobody wants the inventory. And I'll tell you <laughs> what we're seeing in the Institute for Supply Management's Purchasing Managers Index Report that we have on our show, uh, first business day of every month, that the customer inventory levels, whether they're sitting at retail or they're sitting at business to business are substantially lower than they were pre-COVID. And the assumption has been those inventory levels will go up, they'll come back. There'll be this order demand that hits the system because they've just been intentionally running low inventory levels for cash flow purposes. Well, from what I hear you saying, that may not come back. They may stay in the groove of, I manage my inventory better, therefore I need less of it. So they don't need, you know, as the demand picks up, the, the inventory I'm gonna say is probably gonna go up in the supply chain, but the turnover ratio will probably still be the same. So meaning that we'll be pushing more inventory through the pipeline just faster. Okay. You know, so you still, you know, if you're going to make, you know, X amount of products and now you're going to double it, you still need double that. You still need the materials for double, but I want to move it really fast. And so I need to integrate that supply chain very, very effectively and quickly. So I want to provide signals up and down the supply chain. And so uh, whether it's coming back from a retailer to a distributor, the distributor's coming back to the manufacturer, whether the manufacturer's buying product from a supplier. So it's, it's being much more tightly integrated so that we can react and be proactive uh, to it. So, uh, and that's why you're seeing such a large demand for things like predictive analytics and analytics in the supply chain. So because of the complexity and the number of SKUs and the life cycle of SKUs of stock keeping units, you're seeing a great need for, and the data volume that's coming in, you're seeing a greater need for predictive analytics. So I've seen this happen before, you know? So let me plan what my safety stocks should be based on this new demand, what my inventory levels and throughput should be, let me figure out what my capacity capabilities are to, to deliver those products. Where are my constraints? And then if I have a disruption, don't tell me everything that's working well. Tell me what I need to know. 
Tell me my exceptions. I, if, I, if I got 100 orders and 95 of them are doing great, great. Now, I'm only focusing on the five. And, if, and help me with the five. Use, not only, you know, kind of predict that there's going to be a problem with these five, but prescribe something. Tell me how to do it. An example that we all know and well use is, I'm not sure if you use Waze on, when you travel and you drive. So Waze is, a, is an application that tells you how to get to point A to point B. Simple. Now there's, a, there's but it also has some predictions. It gives you the estimated time of arrival. You left your house and it predicts based on things that are out there, it predicts you're gonna arrive at your destination in two hours. Now, somewhere along the line of your driving, there's an accident, a disruption, a supply chain disruption. Think of it that way, all right? Right. There's a disruption and that disruption, but Waze is smart. Waze doesn't just tell you that there's, a, that there's an accident up ahead and it's gonna delay you to you know, another 40 minutes. It reroutes you. It's prescribing an alternative suggestion to save you time. And so supply chain analytics is kind of looking at the same problem. They're looking at what, what is, what's going fine is fine. And here's how you can optimize your processes. But when things go wrong, it's going to not only tell you that things or predict risk, but it's going to be able to prescribe remedies for risk. So, you know, a, a great example is, you know, with the, with the, uh, with the, some of the hurricane, I mean, the oil spills, like in, the oil fires in Houston or something like that, you know, you could see that all of the orders that are impacted by that. Right. Dave, uh, I, and all I, the deliveries that are going to be impacted. But you can I, I also can't. say, I can now get that material from somewhere else, or I can reroute those trucks to go around that fire and, and save time or, you know, and, and I'm updating the estimated time of arrival for a customer delivery or a warehouse delivery or, or a retail delivery. So, so that's kind of where most of the analytics are driving. They're not only just driving your inventory, but they're also driving your, uh, your revenue streams and your pricing right. margins and sensitivity. David, we're, we're running out of time here. So I just want to uh, share with our viewers here that you are at uh, blueridgeglobal.com. Is that correct? That is correct. All right. So if they want to know more about what you do, that's the place to go. go that's the place to go. That's the place to go. We're doing great. All right. And David Kahn, thank you for joining us in this here in this show. Okay, thank you. Thank you, David. Thank you. Appreciate your time. And for those of you who would like more information, please go to mfgtalkradio.com or you can go to jacketmediaco.com where you'll find links to all the podcasts that we produce. And thanks for being with us today. Uh, thank you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.